Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now you can make those moments year-round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity, and Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, what a news day we have for you. Glad you're with us. Wednesday edition, Sean Hannity Show. Toll free, our telephone number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Uh, A lot happening, and it's going to take me time to go through and explain in detail. And my, my blood vessels in my brain may burst because of the media spin about James Comey's opening statement to the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence that he will be reading from tomorrow has now been released, which, by the way, totally obscuring the Senate hearing from earlier today where national security heads, one after another, saying they had never, ever been pressured to do anything illegal, immoral, unethical, inappropriate. None. Nothing. Zip. Including Admiral Rogers. And the director of national intelligence, Dan Coates, he's never been pressured to intervene, interfere in any way with shaping intelligence in a political way or in a relationship to an ongoing investigation. 
or Rod Rosenstein, Coates and Rogers and the interim FBI director, Andrew McCabe, testifying that no one from the White House has asked them to influence any investigation. So uh, we'll get to that tape. The media will ignore that tape today. And let me give you a bottom line conclusion on what is a seven page opening statement by James Comey. The president of the United States did not obstruct justice. Number one. Number two, Comey confirmed numerous times to the president, once as president-elect, but also as president, that he was not the target of any investigation into Russia. That he, it is obvious, just some general observations as we get started here, it is obvious the deep resentment and hatred that James Comey has, and frankly, double standard treatment of Donald Trump versus his predecessor, Barack Hussein Obama. And we'll get into all of that. The next thing is, is what did I say about Comey? I said, Comey, I said, what happened? I said, it's just a matter of time before he has a book deal and before he's working on MSNBC. It's it's clear he's got an agenda, clear. It's obvious the firing of him really, really hurt him. And, you know, the other thing that you've got to remember in all of this is this is his words. This is what he thinks. This is his interpretation. This is his recollection. And he even admits, well, I didn't have any ability to corroborate it. But he also is threading a needle, and I'll explain in detail, where he himself, what I have been warning about is that he himself is is got some serious significant questions to answer as to if he if he really felt certain things like he says that he was feeling and he didn't act on them because well Jeff Sessions might recuse himself and the person that replaces him might not be there very long well that still puts him in serious legal jeopardy himself because the law requires and friend Greg Jarrett was the first to dig this up over at the Fox News channel, that um, he's, he has a, a duty to immediately, immediately, not considering the status of the attorney general's position on an investigation, not considering the, the, the deputy attorney general's likely position might not be there long. He had a moral duty, legal obligation to go over to the Justice Department and tell them of any effort if he felt the obstruction of justice was being made by any person, even the president of the United States, and that the failure to do so would result or could result in criminal charges under a statute known as misprison of felony. It's 18 U.S. Code 4. So, as expected, Comey's trashing Trump, and as expected, disparaging the man who fired him and 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 sort of writing a, a spy novel in the process. The wording of this is so bizarre. I mean, you know, and he contradicts himself as to what the, the role of the FBI is as it relates to national security. With the, You know, then you have to ask questions about Hillary Clinton. Now, let me go through this memo very slowly with you so I can bring you up to speed because I assume most of you have more important things in your day to do than to be reading seven pages of this stuff. That's my job, and my job is to bring it to you. Now, he describes his first meeting with then-President-elect Trump on January 6th in, in a conference room at Trump Tower. And there, he was there with other intelligence community uh, leaders to brief him and his new national security team on the findings 
of the intelligence community's assessment concerning Russian efforts to interfere in the election. And he describes at the conclusion of that briefing that he remained alone with the president to brief him on some of the personally sensitive aspects of the information assembled during the assessment. In other words, oh, there's a dossier by a guy that didn't tell the president. I'm sure he wanted to hire until this became public. Remember, the MI6 guy that put together the dossier that talked about hookers urinating in Trump's bed at the Ritz-Carlton in Moscow, which never happened. James Comey wanted to hire that guy. He wanted to hire the MI6 guy. So, you know, the nice little fact that Comey left out and only because it was made public did he not. Anyway, and he wanted to make sure alert the president of the existence of the material as salacious and unverified as it was. Then if it's so unverified, why did you want to hire the guy? But put that aside. And we knew the media was about to publicly report the material. Well, how'd you know that? We believe the IC should not keep knowledge of material and its imminent release from the president-elect. And to the extent there was some effort of compromising an incoming president, we could blunt any such effort with a defensive briefing. Anyway, so the director of national intelligence asked that I personally do this. That would be Clapper portion of the briefing. And he agreed to do it alone to minimize political embarrassment. Now, he's setting the president up here in this to, to make himself. He's so trying to make himself look like the good guy. Comey's the good guy. He's trying to, you know, it, it just is the most self-serving uh, document I think I've ever read in my life. So anyway, he he does this and he does it alone with the president. And and in, although we agreed it made sense for me to do the briefing, the FBI's leadership and I were concerned the briefing might create a situation where a new president came into office uncertain about whether the FBI was conducting a counterintelligence investigation of his personal conduct. It is important the FBI understand, to understand the FBI counterintelligence things. Then he goes on to say, the Bureau's goal in a counterintelligence investigation, different from its criminal investigative work, is to understand the technical human methods of hostile foreign powers that are, uh, are what they're using to influence the United States or steal our secrets. Stop right there. You mean like Hillary Clinton? Like five foreign intelligence agencies, five of them, foreign intelligence, having access to her emails that never should have been in a mom and pop uh, bathroom closet server. And the fact that she mishandled documents, that these are all felonies that she committed. And then he overstepped his bounds and came to a conclusion and overrode and took the role of the attorney general in that case, Loretta Lynch. I'm reading this. I'm saying, what a phony hypocrite this man is. What a phony. Anyway, and the FBI uses that understanding to disrupt, blah, blah, blah. This man should have been fired. The fact that he stayed, I honestly, is beyond any understanding. And then he said it's, you know, and then he describes what they do. And the, na- the, the nature of hostile foreign nations is well known. Counterintelligence investigations tend to be centered on individuals the FBI suspects to be witting or unwitting agents of that foreign power. When the FBI develops reason to believe an American's targeted, then he goes on and on. In that context, I discussed the FBI's leadership team, whether I should be prepared to assure President-elect Trump that we were not investigating him personally. That's what he writes here. Okay, that was true. We weren't. We didn't have an open counterintelligence case on him. We agreed I should do so if circumstances warranted. And during the one-on-one meeting at Trump Tower, based on the president's reaction, uh, and without him directly asking the question, I offered that reassurance. Oh, 
and he does it another time. So what Trump said is, yeah, three times he told me, stop. You know, I mean, am I being investigated? No. And then Trump, can we tell the American people this for once? Because it's hampering my job, my ability to do my job. And I felt compelled to document. Now, listen to this. I felt compelled to document my first conversation with the president-elect in a memo. And uh, to ensure accuracy, I typed it in my laptop as soon as I got out of Trump Tower in an FBI vehicle. Creating written records immediately after one-on-one conversations with Trump was my practice from that point forward. That had not been my practice in the past. Spoke with President Obama twice in person, once in 2015, once in 2016, blah, blah, blah. In neither of those circumstances did I remember uh, that he do this. I can recall nine one-on-one conversations with Trump in four months, three in person, six on the phone. All right, big deal. Why didn't he do it to Obama? All right, that's not the biggest deal here. Then he had a dinner with Trump on January 27th, 20, seven days after the president sworn into office. And he invited me to dinner, saying he was going to invite my whole family. We'll do that next time. Anyway, it's in the green room. President, whether he likes staying in his job, if he's going to stay in. I said, well, I already assured him that I intended to. Um, and so on. And Trump said, well, I'd understand that after the abuse you'd taken if you wanted to walk away. Now, this is now all speculation. Listen to this. My instincts, this is Comey, told me that the one-on-one setting and the pretense that this was our first discussion about my position meant the dinner was at least in part an effort to have me ask for my job and create some sort of patronage relationship. Stop right there. The first meeting was was initiated by Comey, not by Trump. That is, before he even walked in, he had this interpretation. That concerned me greatly, given the FBI's traditionally independent status. Then why didn't you say no, Comey? Why? If you're so pure and proper and you thought this was so bad. I replied, I love my work, intended to stay, serve my term as the director. And then, uh, because the setup made me uneasy. I was not reliable in any way like a politician uses the word, but it could always count on me to tell the truth. And I added that I'm not on anybody's side politically and it cannot be counted on in a, in a traditional political sense. And I said I, that was in the best interest of the president. Now, this is what the media is making. Well, I need loyalty, the president said. I expect loyalty. I didn't move. I didn't speak. Here's the novel part. I didn't change my facial expression in any way during the awkward silence that followed. We simply looked at each other in silence and the conversation moved on. But he returned to the subject near the end of the dinner. At one point, I explained why the FBI was so important at the Department of Justice, FBI independent from the White House. And he goes on to say, I said it was a paradox, blah, blah, blah. Some uh, presidents want to be close to the department, but it blurs the line of trust. Near the end of the dinner, the president returned to the subject of my job, saying he's glad I'm staying on, adding that he had heard great things about me. And then he said, I need loyalty. Well, loyalty to the Constitution, the rule of law, not loyalty to the deep state, not loyalty to those that are leakers, those that want to undermine the presidency, those that would lie and, and, and not have fidelity to the truth. I replied, you'll always get honesty from me. He paused. Well, that's all I want. I want honest loyalty. We'll pick it up from there when we come back. Most self-serving document, but at the end of the day, Comey might have just put himself in a little bit of legal jeopardy. He admits the president did not obstruct. He admitted to the president he was not a target. 
And, yeah, I want you to be loyal to the Constitution, which the media is going crazy on. Also tell you about the conversation on, on General Flynn. Hey, with optimism, once again, on the rise in America, the working people of this country are more important than ever. Well, now they have a podcast that celebrates them and tells their stories on the job from hired to retired. Well, it's a new podcast from our friends at Express Employment Professionals that digs into the lives of men and women at work and explores their journeys as they fight to make the American dream a reality. On the job takes the listener through the ups and downs of making a living in America. Now check out the new podcast, On the Job, From Hired to Retired, on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Or just go to expresspros.com slash podcast for more information. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, toll-free telephone number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. As I said, this is the most self-serving document I've ever seen in my life. But at the end of the day, no matter what the media says here, at the end of the day, nothing that they say in any way implicates the president. The president didn't try to obstruct justice, was not the target of an investigation. Okay, I expect you to be loyal. We're going to get to that in, in all its detail in a second. And he contradicts himself so many different ways as it relates to, okay, if you really care about states that are stealing our secrets, how do you explain five foreign intelligence services getting into the the email server of Hillary in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet? 99% certainty that that happened or her mishandling of things. Or the double standard, he's dripping with hatred towards Trump. It's so obvious. And if he felt so uncomfortable in this dinner and, oh, I didn't want to go, and my instincts told me that, oh, my gosh, this might be some sort of patronage relationship. And I lectured the president about the the sanctity of, of, of being separate and apart from the White House. And the president said, I need loyalty, but we agreed on honest loyalty. Is that it? That's the worst part? And that Comey was going to hire the person that gave uncorroborated, salacious details about hookers in a Ritz-Carlton in Moscow. We wanted to pay this guy until that that was revealed, and then he had to not hire the guy? What is wrong with this guy, Comey? Something is very off. Now, he also describes this other meeting where the issue of General Flynn came up, and the president... By the way, has everyone forgotten... The president say, oh, I don't want to go after Hillary. Oh, yeah, let's leave her alone. Oh, they suffered enough. So the president basically says the same thing about General Flynn. He hadn't done anything wrong in speaking with the Russians. I had to let him go because he misled the vice president. At the end of the day, this that's what that case is about. And he'd been through a lot, and I feel bad for him, and I hope you can see your way clear of letting it go. I hope you can let it go. Hope, 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 hope. Not let it go. And we'll get to that in a second, all right? 800-941-SEAN and all of the other issues of the day. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. But i got to tell you something. This is the biggest nothing burger. we got our legal team that is going to weigh in on all of this. And wait till you hear what the security head said at the intelligence meeting today. That's coming up. Admiral Rogers, you draw the short straw. I'm going to start with you. Before we get to the substance of whether this call or request was made, you've had a very distinguished career, close to 40 years. In your experience, would it be in any way typical for a president to ask questions or bring up an ongoing FBI investigation, particularly if that investigation concerns associates and individuals 
that might be associated with the president's campaign or his activities? So today I am not going to talk about theoreticals. I am not going to discuss the specifics of any interaction or conversations I may or may not. If I could finish, please. That I may or may not have had with the president of the United States, but I will make the following comment. In the three-plus years that I have been the director of the National Security Agency, to the best of my recollection, I have never been directed to do anything I believe to be illegal, immoral, unethical, or inappropriate. And to the best of my recollection, during that same period of service, I do not recall ever feeling pressured to do so. Oh, by the way, Admiral Rogers, NSA director, testifying he's never been pressured to do anything illegal, immoral, unethical, inappropriate. Dan Coates, director of national intelligence, testifying today he's never been pressured to intervene or interfere in any way with shaping intelligence in a political way or in a relationship to an ongoing investigation. Then Rod Rosenstein and Dan Coates and Mike Rogers and the interim FBI director, Andrew McCabe, testifying today that no one from the White House has asked how how to influence an investigation in any way. Excuse me. Does any of this matter except a disgruntled, fired, ex-bitter, you know, double standard preaching FBI director who may actually himself have put himself in legal jeopardy? And I'll get to that in a second here. So anyway, if you're just joining us, those are our two big stories. The Senate hearing with the national security heads that all said what I just told you. And then the seven page opening statement that Comey will read tomorrow. And anyway, so let me go back to the Mike Flynn Do we have in there um, when the president said, oh, leave Hillary alone? By the the way, when the president said it kind of pissed me off, I'm going to be honest. I'm like, seriously? Why? Why does she get let off? I don't want to bring any pain to the Clintons. Oh, okay. So he's being a nice guy, nicer than I would be. And by the way, it's not his call at the end of the day either. It's not his call when he says to Comey, as it relates to Flynn and that Flynn hadn't done anything wrong in speaking with the Russians. And that he had let it go because he, he had to lead, let him go because he misled the vice president and then saying the guy had been through a lot and it sucks and that he'd been the victim, by the way. Comey, I don't know if they've ever discussed the issue of, of the felony committed against Michael Flynn by leaking unmasked raw intelligence. That's what got him into trouble and got him fired. And then Trump said, well, I hope you can let this go. I mean, remember, that was the one felony was against Flynn which is so annoying. Anyway, so then Comey goes on to say in this opening statement that you'll hear tomorrow, I immediately prepared an unclassified memo. Okay, unclassified. About the conversation about Flynn. And I discussed the matter with FBI senior leadership. I had understood the president to be requesting that we drop the inv- any investigation into Flynn in connection with the false statements about his conversations with the Russian ambassador in December. Okay, that's what he understood it to be, his own words here. Then he goes on to say, I did not understand the president to be talking about the broader investigation into Russia. Okay, let me read that again. I did not understand the president, and I would assume Comey is an intelligent man, uh, to be dropping about the dropping the broader investigation in Russia or possible links to his campaign. I could be this is coming. I could be wrong, but I took him to be focusing on what had just happened to Flynn's departure and the controversy of, around the account of his phone calls. Regardless, it's concerning 
The FBI's role is an independent, independent investigative agency. Yeah, well, obviously, Comey has a double standard in the application of the laws. Otherwise, how does Hillary get away with everything that he admitted, every crime that she committed? You cannot see this without seeing how he acts in the past. He doesn't take memos after meetings with Obama. You know, in the case of Hillary, she commits a variety of crimes. He lays out the case better than anybody which he did back last July, but he lets her go. Then he says the FBI leadership team agreed with him that it was important not to infect, really, infect like a disease, the investigative team with the president's request, which we did not intend to abide. We also concluded that given it was a one-on-one conversation, there was nothing available to corroborate my account. Oh. The account where you just got done saying I did not understand the president to be talking about the broader investigation into Russia and possible links to his campaign. That's what you just said. That's what you believed. That's what you thought. That's how you interpreted it. Yeah, there is nothing available. What if the president interpreted it otherwise? What if your recollection was wrong? You know, how in court do you get to say, well, in a one-on-one conversation, it's he said, he said. And Comey has a lot to be bitter about, having been fired in this particular case. Disgruntled ex-employee, out for vengeance, having a political agenda, treating Obama one way, treating Hillary another way. We concluded, now this is where he might be in trouble. Pay attention here. This is not anything you'll hear uh, from the mainstream media. We concluded it made little sense to report it to the attorney general, who we expected would likely recuse himself from the involvement in Russia-related investigations. Well, wait a minute. You just got done saying, I did not understand the president to be talking about the broader investigation into Russia or possible links to his campaign. Now, he said we concluded it made little sense. because Why? Because he's expected to likely recuse himself. He did so two weeks later. So he was expected to, but he hadn't. Okay, now one step further. The deputy attorney general's role was then filled in an acting capacity by a United States attorney who would also not be long in that role. Okay, so after discussing and holding it very closely, you know, we decided, you know, resolving to figure out what to do with it down the road as our investigation progressed. The investigation moved full speed ahead. Of course, he's great and, you know, all the innuendo in the world about Donald Trump. None of the investigative team members, Department of Justice supporting them, are aware of the president's request. You mean the request that, what's the request? The request was very simple. You know, I did not say I would let this go. I I hope you can let it go. I hope you can let it go. This guy's been through hell. Just like he said, I hope you let it go on Hillary. If you guys find that, let me know. All right, let's play. This is what he said about Hillary. And your audiences kept saying, lock him up. Yeah. But like, she do did, you want she to did put some it, bad things. I mean, she I did know, some bad things. I know, but a special prosecutor? You I think don't want to might... hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. They're, they're good people. I don't want to hurt them. And I will give you a very, very good and definitive answer the next time we do 60 Minutes together. I don't want to hurt them. Oh, I, you know, oh, jeez. Is that any different than what he's saying about Flynn? No. 
Not a bit. You cannot see it in any other context. I, I hope you can let it go. This guy suffered a lot. I don't want to hurt them. Same thing. Same consistent message. Same exact thing. So anyway, it goes on to say that, you know, after I spoke with the attorney general in person, along with the president's leaks, you know, that um, down the road investigation. Now, here's the problem. You have the law of the land and you have 18 U.S. Code 4. And it is a criminal statute. It's a felony that the law required Comey to immediately, not two weeks later, not when, not after the investigation has gone down the road, you know, but immediately he had a legal statutory responsibility to inform the Department of Justice. Well, not because he might recuse himself later, not because this person may not be there in a little while. He had an obligation to immediately inform the Department of Justice of any effort to obstruct justice by any person, even the president of the United States of America. And his failure to do so could result in criminal charges under what is the statute known as misprison of a felony. You can expect, yeah, we saw, all right, Comey's going to trash Trump, innuendo Trump. He's done it in his opening statement. Democratic lawmakers, you know, loathed Comey. You know, I think that's an important day. They they wanted him removed. Now he's their BFF on 100 different levels. But that's politics. But the law imposes an affirmative duty on federal officials to report the knowledge of a felony. In this case, if he believed it to be obstruction of justice to the appropriate authorities, whoever having knowledge of the actual commission of a felony Uh, cognizable by a court of the United States, conceals and does not as soon as possible make known the same to the some judge or person in, by the way, to a judge, in civil military authority under the United States. He didn't have to go to the attorney general at all. Should be fined under this title or imprisoned, not more than three years or both. Now, it's usually used against those that have a special duty to report a crime like an FBI director. Active concealment is an element of a crime. You know, suppressing incriminating memorandum, concealment of a crime. The memo would be evidence of an alleged crime. So did Comey alert these people to the extent that he should have? Apparently he did, but they all decided, well, we'll wait till this moves on. Well, now there's more to this Comey opening statement. Then they had a March 30th phone call where... You know, he described the Russian investigation, the president, as a cloud. By the way, it was a cloud. Nonstop. Russia, 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 Russia. But Comey had already told the president that, you know, they're not investigating him. He said, I didn't do anything with Russia. No business with Russia. No hookers in Russia. No peeing on my bed in Russia. He always assumed he was being recorded in Russia. So he said, well, all right, you're telling me I'm not under investigation. Can you lift the cloud? He said, well, Comey says, well, we were investigating the matter as quickly as we can. And then Trump said, well, it'd be a great benefit if you can tell the public the truth you're telling me. So what's wrong with that? Then the president asked, well, why there had been a congressional investigation, which I had, as the Department of Justice director, confirmed the investigation into possible coordination between Russia and the Trump campaign. Anyway, so it goes on from there that. You know, I reminded him what I had previously told him, Comey said. 
And he repeatedly told me, we need to get the fact out that you're not investigating me. And the president went on to say, if there are some satellite associates of his, if there's anybody else, if they did something wrong, it would also be good to find that out. Because also, but he hadn't done anything wrong, and he hoped that the public would know that the president did nothing wrong. And then he shifted the attention of the discussion to the FBI Deputy Director McCabe saying, you know, I'm a little concerned about McCabe because his wife was running for office and all this money was raised by Terry McAuliffe, blah, 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 blah. He finished by stressing the cloud was uh, interfering with his abilities to, to serve the country. Immediately after the conversation, I called the acting deputy attorney general, Dana, whatever her name is. Sessions had recused to report the substance of the call from the president. I said I would wait and await his guidance. I did not hear back from him before the president called me two weeks later. And the president called on April 11th. Well, what have you done to get out the information that he's not personally under investigation? Now, that information was offered by Comey himself. Why wouldn't the president want the FBI director to say that publicly? FBI director saying it behind closed doors. Why can't he tell the American people? Unbelievable. All right, when we get back, we're going to go through more of this. It gets a little confusing, but we got a handle on this. And one of the bigger aspects of this is the Senate hearing with national security heads today. No, nobody ever asked me to do that. No way. I was never asked to do anything, pressured to do anything illegal, immoral, unethical, or inappropriate. I'm sure that'll be ignored by the media. As a matter of fact, I've been watching media all day. <laughs> They're not even touching it. We'll show you tonight on Hannity. The media is so freaking corrupt in this country. And we'll take a break. Our legal team will analyze both Comey's statement that he'll be reading tomorrow and the national security heads all saying the same thing. They were never pressured to do anything illegal, immoral, unethical, or inappropriate. We'll continue. All right, so much to get to. Um, We have the Senate hearing with national security heads that took place earlier today. Yes. Oh, let's see. General Rogers and Rod Rosenstein and Dan Coats and and Andrew McCabe. Oh, no one from the White House asked to ever influence an investigation. And nobody asked us to do anything illegal, immoral, unethical, inappropriate. And then James Comey's innuendo-filled opening statement from tomorrow, which is being mismanaged by the media. We have the truth with our attorneys next. So if the attorney general or senior officials at the Department of Justice opposes a specific investigation, can they halt that FBI investigation? In theory, yes. Has it happened? Not in my experience, because it would be a big deal to tell the FBI to stop doing something that, without an appropriate purpose. I mean, we're oftentimes, they give us opinions that we don't see a case there, and so you ought to stop investing resources in it. But I'm talking about a situation where we were told to stop something for a political reason. That would be a very big deal. It's not happened in my experience. Not happened in my experience. That was James Comey. That was James Comey on May 3rd. Now, James Comey has released his opening statement that he will read tomorrow before the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. And he goes through great detail where he first met Donald Trump on January 6th at Trump Tower. And that's where they started in on the the Russian hookers at the Ritz-Carlton and urinating on the bed. 
Comey didn't tell him, I assume, that he was trying to hire the guy that had put that dossier together until all these revelations became public. And then it became a little untenable for Comey to do that. I, I didn't see that in his opening statement, which is pretty interesting here. Um, and, you know, so much came out of this that I want to just go through some of this. And then we're going to bring our, our team of attorneys here for the hour. And we're going to analyze all this. And anyway, he went on to say that he and the president had a private discussion and we knew the media would want to report the material about all of this stuff. And, you know, that there was some effort to compromise the incoming president and that we could blunt any such effort uh, with a defensive briefing. And anyway, he was staying in his position, supposedly, and we agreed that I would do the the presentation to the president-elect alone and minimize potential embarrassment to the president-elect. And he talked about how the FBI was conducting a counterintelligence investigation, et cetera, et cetera. And at one point he goes on to say, you know, explain FBI counterintelligence investigations are different than criminal investigations. And then he, you know, talked about the methods that they used and that the FBI uses uh, an understanding that there are places that want to steal our secrets. And the FBI uses that understanding to disrupt those efforts. And sometimes disruption takes the form of alerting a person who's targeted for recruitment. And I'm thinking, yeah, what about Hillary Clinton's server? What about five foreign intelligence agencies having access to top secret and special access programs? That is not going to be any of what you hear in the media today. There's they're going to go for highlighted sound bites that they're going to edit out of this piece. But they won't ask that important question. Anyway, he talked about discussing the FBI's leadership team and whether he should be prepared to assure President-elect Trump that they were not investigating. So he did admit numerous times in this document that, in fact, he told the president, in this case, the president-elect, and then later as president, that they were not investigating him personally. Okay, fair enough. And he said he felt compelled to document this first conversation with the president-elect in a memo to ensure accuracy. He started typing on his laptop in an FBI vehicle outside of Trump Tower the, meaning, the minute he walked out of the meeting and creating written records immediately after their one-on-one -on -one conversations. Then he goes on to say, that had not been my practice in the past. And he talks, he didn't do it with, with President Obama. Well, why not? Why did Donald Trump, you know, cause him to do this? Anyway, then he describes this dinner. On January 27th, seven days into his presidency in the green room in the White House. And anyway, it turned out they're seated there together. And he describes that, you know, the president began by asking whether he wanted to stay at the FBI, et cetera, et cetera. And he had already assured him that he intended to. And he said lots of people, Trump said, wanted his job. And given the abuse he'd taken, he would understand if he wanted to walk away. Now, this is what Comey writes. My instincts told me. That the one-on-one -on -one setting and the pretense that this was our first discussion about my position meant the dinner was at least in part an effort to have me ask for my job and create some sort of patronage relationship. So that's what he went into this thinking. That concerned me greatly given the FBI's traditionally independent status in the executive branch. I replied, I love my work, intended to stay, and... Because the setup made me uneasy, I added that I was not reliable in the way politicians use that word, but he could always count on me to tell the truth. 
And I added that I was not on anybody's side politically and could not be counted on in the traditional political uh, sense, a stance I said was in the best interest of the president. After a few moments, the president said, well, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. Now, the media has been fixated on this forever today. Now, does loyalty mean that maybe he doesn't want deep state leaking? Does loyalty mean that he wants fidelity to the law? Does loyalty mean that he doesn't want him to be political? I didn't move. I didn't speak or change my facial expression in any way during the awkward silence that followed. We simply looked at each other in silence. It's like he's writing a spy novel. The conversation then moved on, and he returned to the subject near the end of the dinner. At one point, I explained why it was so important that the FBI and the Department of Justice be independent of the White House. I said it was a paradox. Throughout history, some presidents have decided that because, quote, problems come from justice, they should try and hold the Justice Department close. But blurring those boundaries ultimately makes the problems worse by undermining public trust in the institutions and their work. Now, near the end of the dinner, the president returned to the subject of my job, saying he's glad I wanted to stay, adding that he had heard great things about me from Madison Sessions and others. He said, I need loyalty. I replied, you will always get honesty from me. He paused and then said, well, that's what I want, honest loyalty. Okay, I paused and then said, well, you will get that from me. And as I wrote in the memo, I created immediately after the dinner. It is possible we understood the phrase honest loyalty differently, but I decided it wouldn't be productive to push it any further. The term honest loyalty had helped end a very awkward conversation, and my explanation had made clear what he should expect. During the dinner, the president returned to the salacious material, you know, the hookers at the Ritz-Carlton in Moscow, and a dossier from a guy former MI6, that, in fact, uh, Comey wanted to hire. He didn't mention that in the letter, as I said. He considered ordering me to investigate the allegation to prove blah, blah, blah. All right, let's bring in our attorneys just on this point here, because we've covered a lot of ground. Jay Sekulow, chief counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch. All right, Jay, loyalty. Well, does loyalty mean to the country? Does loyalty mean I don't want you leaking? Uh, Does loyalty mean I don't want you doing uh, what you did with Obama and taking over Loretta Lynch's role when you shouldn't have? What does that mean? I think it can mean all of those. But let's start with with the reality. What does loyalty mean? Loyalty to the Constitution of the United States. That's what it means. I want loyalty. It's a two way. We want. That's All right, Jay, one. we're losing you number there. Two. Let's get let's get you on a better line. Tom Fenton, what's your take? I'll just warn you, Sean, I'm not an attorney, so what I'm going to say might make sense. President Trump is president of the United States, and he has a right to communicate with the FBI director, even though the FBI director thinks he should be immune from pr- communications with the president, who he obviously dislikes. He didn't talk about his lunch meetings with his friend Benjamin Wittes, where he said he was disgusted by the president's quite honest efforts to shake his hand in public. This, pre- this, this FBI director didn't like the president. The president obviously was alienated by the fact the FBI was using and obviously spreading around this salacious gossip about him. And, uh, you know, at the end of that conversation, he and Comey agreed, honest loyalty. This is what a constitutional government is about, as Jay has pointed out. Let me go back to Jay. I think we got him on a better line here. Uh, Jay, pick up your point here. Honest loyalty. Okay, I expect loyalty. The media is running nuts with this. 
you know, and of course, you can always count on John McCain. I just, I'm when was John McCain just going to jump to the Democratic Party? It's disturbing. What's disturbing about honest loyalty or loyalty to the Constitution or fidelity to the truth? What's wrong well, with course. that? Well, of course, that's where it starts. When, when he says, I, I want your loyalty, it's loyalty to the United States, to the Constitution of the United States. That's what loyalty means. So not, that's number one. Number two, loyalty also means we've got leaks that are affecting our national security. That needs to stop. That's loyalty. There's not a personal pledge of loyalty. And let's remember what this is about. These are James Comey's notes after the fact. So, but loyalty is a very clear term. Do you want not? Do you, who would not want your FBI director to be loyal? Loyalty. He's not asking for a personal pledge here. He's asking for loyalty. Loyalty to the Constitution. Should you want to hit that? Number two, and I think this is, Sean, the critical part of this. James Comey acknowledges in his written statement that President Trump did not, under any circumstance, do anything that he thought was impinging on, infringing on, or curtailing the broader investigation on the Russia probe. He says it exactly himself. I did not understand the president to be talking about the broader investigation into Russia or possible links to his campaign. Case closed, end of case. Special counsel, thank you very much. Because what are we dealing with? We're dealing with a possible violation by General Flynn on a ministerial act on an incorrect statement on a form. So that's what this is all about at the end of the day. Let's not forget that the witch hunt that's going on is much broader, but that's what it's really about. Well, he also apparently during the dinner, the president talked about the salacious material. I sense the deep hatred reading this by Comey towards Trump. Why all of a sudden is he investigating you know, why all of a sudden did he start taking notes on this president, but not the last president? Why? Well, look at, look at the entire, Sean, look at the entire memo. I noticed the drapes, and as I walked past the grandfather clock, sounds like an interesting novel, but this is coming from the FBI, FBI director. So if this, is, if, if this is their case, if this is what it's all about, this, was a, this will be a big speech about nothing tomorrow, period. All right, we're going to take, we'll, we'll take a break here. We, we're going to keep them for the hour. Jay Sekulow, Tom Fitton, and we're going to examine this also from the Senate hearing earlier today. So much came out. I won't use the word exculpatory, but, I mean, it just reinforces everything that everybody else has been saying as it relates to this investigation. You know, you got Admiral Rogers uh, in his testimony. He's never been pressured to do anything illegal. Mark Warners tell Rogers that he's disappointed with an answer because it wasn't what he wanted. The director of national intelligence, uh, Dan Coates, says he's never been pressured to intervene. Rod Rosenstein you know, Coates, Rogers, and McNabe, you know, no one from the White House has asked them to influence an investigation. And all of this comes out. Nobody in the media pays any attention to that today. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. The other thing the media says, well, Trump said, can we, can we lift the cloud? Well, that's after Comey twice told him there is no investigation into him. I, I am so livid at the media coverage of this. All right, as we continue, and at the bottom of the hour, we're going to get to the Senate hearing and everything that was said today that mm-hmm. is so pertinent to everything we've been discussing now for weeks and weeks and weeks. What about the exchange between the president on the issue of Michael Flynn? And when the president, I want to talk about Mike Flynn, he's a good guy, didn't do anything yeah. wrong. I had to let him go because he misled the vice president. And, and then he goes on to say, I hope you can see your way clear of letting this go. I hope you can let this go. Is that a problem? Well, let's talk well, about what not letting to be. it go is. I mean, the letting it go is a ministerial act of the, the guy's being accused. You know, he's already lost his job. He's, he's being accused of violating it, not filling out a form properly. And, and the president showed humanity. To me, that's... By the way, didn't he problem. say the same thing about Hillary Clinton? Yes. Didn't he say right. that I, I'd prefer not to do anything else with this? Which is a violation of the statute. What's that? 
In her case, though, of course he said that. She said she was extremely careless, which, by the way, is the definition of gross negligence under the criminal statute that she should have been uh, looked at. But nevertheless, James Comey has selective disclosure disease. That's what he suffers from, selective disclosure disease. He said, I understood the president to be requesting we drop the investigation of Flynn in connection with false statements about his conversations with the Russian ambassador. I did not understand the president to be talking about the broader investigation into Russia or possible links with his campaign, but it was obvious that he was ta- wasn't was talking about that. Of course. He was, he was talking about, according to James Comey, he understood the president to be requesting a drop in investigation of Flynn. By the way, he understood. The president did not request a drop in the investigation of General Flynn. So he misunderstood, which, by the way, this is a guy that's misunderstood before Congress under oath three times. Ready to correct himself. So his understandings haven't been very reliable. Not a credible witness. But, but, but Sean, this whole thing is a self-serving document. And you know what? It helps the president. So thank you. This is, uh, Sean, it's gossip. It's gossip. What did the president tell you? You know, and I think we should be clear here. This testimony wouldn't take place if Donald Trump had objected to it, and he had good reason to object to it. These are communications with his close advisor, and he could have asserted executive privilege, and I don't think it could have been uh, burst through. So he's letting Comey talk about this because he knows what he did was not wrong. And for Comey to go out there and spill these supposed secrets, uh, as, as Jay said, it's really a big nothing burger here. And Mr. Flynn, by the way, I'm not sure he did anything wrong. I'm not even sure what they're investigating. Are they investigating the timing of disclosures he made in this town? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Well, and no, then he's... Min- but what Tom's saying is right, Sean. I mean, it's, it, it, first of all, this is a ministerial form filling out. That's number one. But here's the headline. You want the headline? This is the headline. FBI director acknowledges that president did not interfere or obstruct with ongoing Russia investigation. That's the headline from the witness's mouth. I, you know, we're told, uh, Sean, also that these notes were so sensitive and he tried to keep it close in, and yet he leaves and they're all leaked out. So who else in the FBI was involved in this? And after he was fired, the Washington Post right. reported, I believe, and they were talking to FBI sources, they, they, they're not going to forget this. Yeah. And they were vowing retaliation, as I interpreted it. And I tell you, the FBI really needs to be cleaned out, and it's not just Comey, because my guess is he created Well, I want to ask if Comey— uh, There's a leadership issue over there beyond Comey. There is one issue where I think Comey is really threading a needle as to perhaps acknowledging he may have committed a felony. And I'll explain when we get back, and we'll go to the Senate hearing with the national security heads today and what the media will ignore tonight. Uh, we'll have it all on Hannity 10 Eastern, a blockbuster show. We'll continue with Jay Sekulow and Tom Fitton straight ahead. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. All right, we'll get to the Senate hearing today with national security heads, but James Comey's opening statement for tomorrow comes out. Jay Sekulow, any- chief counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch. All right, so when Comey goes into this 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 exchange over Flynn, and I hope you guys can let it go because he just got fired, et cetera, et cetera. He misled the president, but he didn't do anything wrong. He's a good guy. By the way, the same thing that the president said about Hillary Clinton, and I didn't see Comey concerned here. But anyway, I understood the president requesting we drop 
I understood the president would be requesting that we drop any investigation in connection with false statements about the conversations with the Russian ambassador, which, by the way, was leaked intelligence, which was a felony. I did not understand the president to be talking about the broader investigation. I could be wrong, blah, 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 blah. But it was so concerning, Jay, given the FBI's role as an independent investigative agency, he says that he met with his leadership team and they agreed not to infect the investigative team, which we intended to abide by. And we also concluded that given it was a one-on-one conversation, there was nothing available to corroborate my account. And then we concluded right. it made it no sense to report to the attorney general, and we expected would likely recuse himself. And the deputy attorney's role uh, was then filled in an acting capacity who could also not be long in that role. So after discussing, we decided that we weren't going to tell them. Is he yeah. saying that he thought that the president did something wrong, was concerned he did, and didn't report it because these people wouldn't be there long? Is that? Well, no, I, I think, look, Sean, he's trying to, uh, James Comey's trying to get it both ways, because if, in fact, he thought there was an obstruction issue, he had an affirmative obligation, not a maybe, not an if, not a contingency, he had an affirmative obligation under 18 U.S.C. for to walk across the street and tell the Department of Justice, I think there is something uh, of criminality here, and report it. But then he says this in his statement, but it was only my word against basically the president's word, and I had no cooperation. So you know what this is? A big bag full of nothing. Except he acknowledges the president did not intervene with the, with the Russian probe. Which, which page specifically? Which quote are you talking about? Well, you look. You look at the whole. Look at the page five. I think is the, is the most telling. Okay. Okay. Page five, where he goes, I immediately prepared an unclassified memo of the conversation about Flynn and discussed the matter with the FBI senior leadership. I had understood the president to be requesting to drop the investigation, which again, by the way, is predicate with I had understood, which obviously wasn't the case. So when you look at the entire thing, and then he did not understand, of course, that this was to stop the Russia probe, which he acknowledges. So what is what is James Comey saying in his memorandum? He's and, not and Sean, did James street. Comey do anything wrong? Who initiated the first one-on-one conversation between the two men? He did. James Comey. He conveyed this confidential information to Mr. Trump, uh, and he made it clear he didn't want anyone else in the room. And now Donald Trump is being dragged through the mud because he followed up and had additional one-on-one conversations. If the initial one, if the additional ones were so inappropriate, why did uh, Comey allow the first one to take place? That's the one where Comey arguably should have had other people in the room. Instead, he wants to have it again, both ways. It's okay for him to initiate one-on-one conversations to talk about ongoing counterintelligence investigations involving the president personally, but the president's not allowed to have any conversations with him and, uh, or initiate any conversations with him. This shows that President Trump was so right to fire this man, so right. Yeah, but, I, but I find Comey's excuse for not reporting the conversations to his superiors based on his weak. description weak and vacuous. And in other words, he said he said it made little sense to tell him because they're, they're leaving and he's going to recuse himself and the next no, guy's not going to be there made, long. But, Sean, it made little sense for them to tell him because there was nothing to tell. And if he would have yeah. walked across the street and said something, he'd be giving a false statement, so he would have doubled his jeopardy. So that's why he didn't walk across the street, because there was nothing to tell. No. And basically, that's what his memo says. All right, let me go to um, the hearings that took place today with national security heads. I'm going to play yeah. a series of comments here. Mike Rogers, the NSA director, testifying to Mark Warner. He never was pressured to do anything illegal, immoral, unethical, or inappropriate. And then you have Dan Coats, director of national intelligence, says he was never pressured. And, you know, let's start there. 
Admiral Rogers, you draw the short straw. I'm going to start with you. Before we get to the substance of whether this call or request was made, you've had a very distinguished career, close to 40 years. In your experience, would it be in any way typical for a president to ask questions or bring up an ongoing FBI investigation, particularly if that investigation concerns associates and individuals that might be associated with the president's campaign or his activities? Would so today I am not going to talk about theoreticals. I am not going to discuss the specifics of any interaction or conversations I may or can may you, not. Can if, you if I could finish, sir, please, that I may or may not have had with the president of the United States, but I will make the following comment. In the three-plus years that I have been the director of the National Security Agency, to the best of my recollection, I have never been directed to do anything I believe to be illegal, immoral, unethical, or inappropriate. And to the best of my recollection, during that same period of service, I do not recall ever feeling pressured to do so. And then secondly, uh, when I was uh, asked yesterday to respond to uh, a piece that I was told was going to be written and printed in the Washington Post this morning, uh, my response uh, to that was in uh, my time of service, which is uh, interacting with the President of the United States uh, or anybody in his administration, I have never been pressured. I have never felt pressure uh, to uh, intervene or interfere in any way and shape with shaping intelligence in a political way uh, or um, in, in relationship all to I, an ongoing investigation. All I'd say. Now we'll go a step further. Rod Rosenstein, Dan Coates, Mike Rogers, Admiral Rogers, Andrew McGabe, the interim FBI director, testifying that no one from the White House has asked them to influence an investigation. Well, let me ask this of everyone on this panel. Is anyone aware of any effort by anyone in the White House or elsewhere to seek advice on how to influence any investigation. Uh, my answer is absolutely no, Senator. No one has anything to add to that. I don't understand the question. The question is, are you aware of any efforts by anyone in the White House or the executive branch looking for advice from other members of the intelligence community about how to potentially influence an investigation? Are you talking about me? No. No. Okay. Uh, who wants to answer? I'm sorry. I, I'm not sure I understand the question, but if you're asking whether we, I'm aware of requests to other people in the intelligence community, I am not. Uh, seeking advice on how we could potentially influence someone. You, you're not aware I'm of not anyone aware. ever saying or reporting that to you? No. Has anyone ever come forward and said, I just got a call from someone at the White House asking me what is the best way to influence someone on, on an investigation? Let's come here. I've never received anything. I have no direct knowledge of such a call. It was an allegation made in one of the press reports, and that's why I asked. On a separate topic. I'm sorry. Who does? Our confusion center, we just want to make sure we're clear on the question. The answer is no, as I understand it. Jay, I mean, all of this does is reinforce yep. everything that Comey is, is – can't – Everything Comey is saying can't contradict that. Sean, here's, here's, let me tell you something. When you read what you just played, so, so far no witness has come forward. Not one single witness has come forward to say that there's any information or evidence of a violation of the law, right? That's number one. We've heard that from James Clapper. We've heard it from James Comey. Then we also have this in his testimony, and this is regarding the president being under investigation. And he says, I explained that we had briefed the leadership of Congress on exactly which individuals we were investigating 
and that we had told those congressional leaders that we were not personally investigating President Trump. I reminded him that I had previously told him that. He repeatedly told me we need to get that fact out. So there is the case. So we now have no obstruction of justice. We have no interference with the leak. And we know that the president's not subject to it. Now, is the mainstream media going to point that tonight? Because that's the answer right there. All right, and Tom, he'd be a witness against himself. I mean, it is an amazing thing. Isn't this also a case of he said, he said? In every instance, and, and Comey at one point even acknowledges it. There's no way to corroborate any of this. And the way the media has been reporting it all afternoon, and I've been watching this since it came out, is that everything that that James Comey, a bitter, fired ex-FBI director who clearly hates the president, you can it's seething out of this letter. You know, is trying to write it up in novel form, clearly preparing for his book, in a way that. You know, is as much as damaging without being able to be damaging. Yeah. What's remarkable, Sean, is that the president is right and is is being proven right repeatedly by Mr. Comey. He was told three times he wasn't under investigation. You have the witnesses again confirming, and Comey, uh, obviously, if he could have said it, he would have confirming that the president did not improperly pressure anybody related to any investigation. The president has said that, and he's been attacked for saying that. What today? You may have heard the noise in Washington, all the way up there in New York, but did you hear the hissing? That's the impeachment balloon deflating. Oh, it's gone. It ended there today. Is, let me tell you something. That that's off the table. First of all. The person that better be watching what they're saying tomorrow is James Comey, okay? If I was his lawyer, you know what I'd tell him? Don't do this. Why? That's what I would tell him. Why, why would Don't you say this. that? Well, because of the, 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 the head fake on the, the head fakes on the you know, obstruction that he's been kind of saying, and he does this memo. But now he covers, covers his, his – tried to cover himself with the – he didn't walk across the street because I didn't think anybody would prosecute it because there's no corroborating evidence. Then what are you, what are you saying? James Comey, you know what you're saying? You were afraid to walk across the street because you'd be lying to an FBI, uh, uh, to a DOJ official, and they may put you under oath. So he's under oath tomorrow. He better be really, really careful. Because so far, all he's, he's established three things. One, the James. president of the United States did not obstruct the investigation into all Russia. Right. Number two, that the president is not, has not been, and is not a target of the investigation. And number three, when you read the loyalty thing, yeah, I want an FBI director that's loyal to the Constitution of the United States. And it's a completely self-serving document, including his description of the of the drapes. What, what do you think, Jay? Yeah, I, by I, the way, I'm concerned about Mueller coordinating with Comey on this testimony and seemingly approving it beforehand. It's rather unusual, don't you think? Well, listen, coordinating it with the, the, the fact that the witness is coordinating his testimony with the special counsel. I mean, you think that's a good thing? I sure don't. And then he. Yeah, I think it's unusual. Oh, my gosh. So this is his best. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is his best case. So. But there's nothing there. That, I think they should – if this is what they've got, don't waste the taxpayer's money. But that's what this is. They waste the taxpayer's money. No, no, no. They have to investigate Paul, Paul Manafort's mortgages up in Long Island. Yeah, because I really care about that. The, yeah, the but this is, but this is what the special counsel is about, about is both broadening and growing more petty at the same time. Unbelievable day. i got to tell you. Uh, thank you both. Jay, you're going to be on tonight on Hannity. I'll be on with you tonight, Sean. Yeah, and we'll have you and Geraldo and Sarah Carter joining us and Herman Cain joins us and – uh, wait till you see this Piers Morgan confrontation with the mayor of London. Wow. We'll get to all of that. That's 10 Eastern tonight. Hannity on the Fox News Channel. We'll take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll continue. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Time, let me ask both of you, has anyone ever asked you now or in the past, this administration or any administration, to issue a statement that you knew to be false? 
For me, I stand by my previous statement. I've never been directed to do anything in the course of my three-plus years as the director of the National Security Agency that I felt to be inappropriate, nor have I felt pressure to do so. Have you ever been asked to say something that isn't true? I stand by my previous statement, sir. Director Coates? I do, likewise. (laughs) Well, let me ask this of everyone on this panel. Is anyone aware of any effort by anyone in the White House or elsewhere to seek advice on how to influence any investigation? Uh, My answer is absolutely no, Senator. No one has anything to add to that. I don't understand the question. The question is, are you aware of any efforts by anyone in the White House or the executive branch looking for advice from other members of the intelligence community about how to potentially influence an investigation? Are you talking about me? No. No. If someone is to use the unmasking process for a political purpose, is that potentially a crime? Yes, Senator. And Director um, McCabe, perhaps, or uh, Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein, for somebody to leak the name of an American citizen that is unmasked in the course of incidental collection, to leak that classified information, is that also potentially a crime? Yes, I think that's the most significant point, Senator. I think it's important for people to understand unmasking is done in the course of ordinary legitimate intelligence gathering when the identity of the person on the other end of the phone the other end of the message may be relevant to understand the intelligence significance of the communication leaking is a completely different matter leaking is a crime disclosing information to somebody without a legitimate purpose need to know that information uh, that will be prosecuted in appropriate circumstances all right so there's rubio as any administration official asks you to make a false statement no cornyn to rosenstein is it illegal to leak unmasked names yeah that's kind of illegal we've got full complete coverage hannity tonight 10 eastern on the fox news channel don't miss our coverage jay seculo geraldo rivera will also check in with greg jarrett has been great on discovering the law and what what comey was supposed to do with 18 usc 4 and we will have uh, also joining us uh, sarah carter from circa news and then wait do you see oh we'll show you piers morgan beating the crap out of the Mon- london mayor well where are the people from great britain who went to syria to fight with isis that came back i don't know really good grief 10 eastern tonight we'll continue you are mayor of the capital city where the most recent terrorist attack has taken place how many of those 400 have come back to london uh, the, the estimate is just over half. So when you where are at, they? When you look at well, when you look at the oh, seriously, how where are, are they? letting people back in to the UK who've le- who haven't just been trained? They've actually fought potentially against our troops. How are we letting them back in without knowing exactly where they are and what they're up to? Because out of all the thousands of people that we're concerned about, surely those who've actually gone to fight are the biggest risk. Well, that's one of the reasons why it doesn't make sense for the government to be cutting resources but from where those... where are they? You're well, the mayor of this no, hold, capital respect, city. Where are second, they? I can't follow... 400 people. What I can do is make sure why, why the policies, because we can, what we can do though is make sure we get the resources for the police and the experts well, to follow people. Why can't you instruct the police? Why can't you call Cressida Dick right now well, and say every one of those people who's come why. back from a war zone, who's in London, I want why. them followed. Let me see why. Because the Met Police budget 
roughly speaking, 15% to 20% is funded by me, the mayor. The rest comes from central government. If the Met Police budget is being shrunk and reduced, they've got to prioritise and use their resources in a sensible, savvy what way. What could be a bigger priority than people coming back from a Syrian battlefield with intent to harm British citizens? Oh, Why sure. is it not the number one priority? Why are these people just allowed to come back in in the first place and then the London mayor doesn't appear to have a clue where any of them are? I mean, no disrespect to you, but where are they? Well, that's one of the questions that obviously... The police and security services are, yeah, but are looking the into mayor. But this, this, but this chap here... Yeah, Sadiq, you're the mayor of London. Sure, but can I say, look, the three men responsible for the attack on Saturday night hadn't come from overseas. They were, for all intents and purposes, integrated into our way of life. Well, look, he did remember them. He's, you know, as we know, if you whack him, he whacks you back, and he's whacked you back. Putting aside the Twitter spat and everything else, and in my view, his ill-advised tweets this week was not the right time to do it. But Donald Trump's whole position on this has been that we are all at risk from Islamist extremists who want to kill us. And he has come up with endless ways, he's suggesting, of trying to stop this, right? You may not agree with them, but that's where he's coming from. After what's been happening in London and Manchester, has Trump not got a point? Is he not allowed, as President of the United States, to say, wake up, everybody, we are under attack, we're in a war here? I think you're being very generous to Donald Trump. Well, I'm, I'm actually reflecting, well, I think, well, what, me, what he me, would say well, if he was here. Well, let me tell you what I was commenting on when I said he was ignorant. The idea of, at the time, when he was a candidate, of banning all Muslims... Right from going to the USA. And I made the point that his views are ignorant. Why are they ignorant? Because there are literally millions of Americans born and raised in America who love their country and who are practicing Muslims. But also there are millions of Muslims around the world who love America, me included, who uh, love Americans, who've got family in America. And to play into the so-called ISIS and Daesh narrative that Western liberal values are incompatible with Islam, is ignorant. But for a lot of people in this country right now, they'll be thinking that for a lot of British Muslims, we don't know how many, we know there's 23,000 jihadi suspects, right? A lot of them have not assimilated into the Western values and culture and actually wish us harm. And that is where Trump's coming from. He might be clumsy in the way he phrases it, and he might be offensive in some of his tweeting, oh, look, but that's where he comes from. I can tell you, uh, I've spent the last uh, three months in this job, four months in this job, speaking to all sorts of people, not just leaders, not just organisations, but ordinary rank and file uh, citizens of Muslim faith. And that's what, and that's what, and that's what, and that's what good government's about, is engaging with all stakeholders. Now, you can talk about articles in the newspapers about what one organisation may get. The point is, is that you can't just pick and choose who you speak to. You can't just speak to uh, Uncle Tom's. You can't just speak to people who will say what you, want to what, what you want them to hear. But I can assure you, and you can speak to government ministers who will tell you the hard time they've got talking to ordinary uh, British citizens, Muslim faith, British groups of Muslim faith, and I can tell you, nearly all of them uh, are a critical friend and are willing to uh, say it how it is. All right, what an incredible exchange. Now, that was between Piers Morgan and the mayor of London, who had made some really insane, ridiculous statements after the attack on London Bridge the other day. Literally said, London is safe. Oh, okay, unless you're one of the people that was killed or severely injured uh, on London Bridge or the surrounding areas where the mall and the pub are. I guess it's not so safe for those people. Just like he said, well, this you know, radical Islam, it's just going to be in our future just a way of life. And Piers Morgan was talking specifically about, okay, so all these, these people from Great Britain, they go and they fight with Syria for ISIS, 
and you're letting them back and you don't know where the hell they are? I mean, add to this everything we now know. You know, jihadis, you know, living next door, a documentary with a, one of the terrorists with the, the black flag of ISIS and talking about Sharia coming to 10 Downing Street and 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 praising Allahu Akbar as he it bends down in so-called prayer. And you've got to ask, OK, we spent all this money on intelligence to find the people that might potentially be involved in terror. Well, then why didn't we do the simple things like find the, the people in the documentary that were singing praises of ISIS and throw them the hell out. Is that so hard to do? And we find out Italian, you know, secret services, that they had they understood one of the other and had background on one of the other terrorists. Unbelievably uh, unresponsive and, and, frankly, bordering on recklessness and care, carelessness by government, in this case, the, the mayor of London. By the way, if the U.S. Embassy in London is on a, a lockdown amid a bomb threat, you know, I always like to have her on for fun, but I never seem to be able to. Katie Hopkins is with us, the gobby one from Great Britain, our friend of the Daily Mail. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Yes, so you're right. It's um, uh, the new U.S. Embassy that's just being built. Yeah. Uh, in, and it's, uh, it's yet to have people moved in, but they've just had a controlled explosions there. Buildings uh, on lockdown. There's a perimeter fence set up, and the Met Police and the fire services are on standby but they're saying now that the vehicles that they had suspected had turned out to be harmless but there was some kind of controlled explosion there um, and that's just off the back of a stabbing that just happened earlier this afternoon I was just walking through the area um, a lady who works in a kindergarten with small children obviously she was crossing the road attacked from behind by three women um, knocked to the ground broke her ribs stabbed repeatedly with Stanley Lives uh, in the name of Allah and uh, the London authorities have just announced that that was not an act of terror. Unbelievable. What did you make? I've got to be honest. I've come to really, I used to compete against Piers Moore. Well, it really wasn't much of a competition. Next time you see him, tell him I said that. But I really like, I like this guy. I mean, the dumbest thing I've ever seen in the history of television is a Brit coming to America and lecturing Americans on their love of the Second Amendment and firearms. It wasn't exactly brilliant uh, ratings gathering television for him, but I, I know he was following his heart, so I respect him. Um, but I think that he is a, a really iconoclastic and and a, a fun in an abrasive way agitator. And I like people like that. He's a fighter. And what he did He's with the London mayor job. was pretty spectacular. Yeah, he is doing a great job. And to be honest with you, uh, Sean, you know, very often, Piers and I, you know, we're brother and sister on the same newspaper, and we are usually at each other's throats for a variety of things. But I started my column this week with exactly that same line, you know, that I would never thought I would say this, but Piers Morgan is doing a fantastic job. He is, and he's starting to feel like the last voice of the regular punter, looking at people, just asking those very basic questions that we cannot understand how we are letting our country just go down the plug hole, do nothing about it. And it's almost laughable, Sean, to think, uh, if it weren't so tragic, you know, that there was a document called the jihadi next door that the last attacker for london bridge checked in at an airport asked for the reason for his travel he said i'm going to go and be a terrorist i mean you don't need intelligence do you to work out what their role is in life you know i mean it's so sad to me that 
these deaths, many of them could have been prevented if you didn't have. Did you ever watch the documentary Jihadis Living Next Door? It's like no, I could. I, I can't watch that sort of thing. It just winds me up. Sean, I, I end up taking. I mean, you know. But my understanding is, Katie, that it was on television for like a year. Is that true? Oh yes. Oh, yes. And actually, quietly, uh, well, they hoped quietly, they only just took it off Netflix. It was still on Netflix, available for viewing until about two hours after they found out who this guy was. So it was still there right up until a couple of days ago, widely available for viewing. These guys with their ISIS flag in the middle of a London park praying, celebrating ISIS. That was all seen as okay. But what we've got a lot of today coming out from the Metropolitan Police is a push on hate crime um, that they're encouraging people to report any hate against them if they are from a Muslim uh, or Islamic faith. Yeah, well, it seems to me that at some point that government bears the responsibility of their bad decisions. You know, can, can we say that the, the government of Great Britain bears some responsibility in not throwing the ISIS flag-worshipping Allahu Akbar radical Islamist out of the country before he went on this rampage on London Bridge and, and surrounding areas? Absolutely, you'd hope so. But the curious thing for us, Sean, is we're just about to, as you'd know, tomorrow we've got our elections. We've got lots of emails in my inbox from people saying, Katie, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to vote for? Corbyn is a sympathiser with the IRA, Hamas, and largely sides with the civil liberties of terrorists. And then we've got Theresa May, who was the uh, in charge of the Home Office at the time that these cuts were made, cuts to the intelligence services, and she was the one that decided terrorists suspect terrorists shouldn't be on lockdown in their homes. Mm -hmm. They should be allowed to roam free. They should be allowed to go wherever they want, and they should be allowed access to the internet. So people are faced with this sort of not wanting to vote for anybody because they don't want to reinforce anyone because no one's standing up for the things we need to hear right now. All right, stay right there. Katie Hopkins, our friend, the gobby one from uh, the Daily Mail. And as we continue, the mayor of London confronted on morning television by Piers Morgan, who did a fabulous job. All these fighters go from Great Britain and they fight with ISIS in Syria and then they come back to the country. And the mayor of London is clueless and has no idea where they are now. On top of the fact that they had jihadis living next door, a documentary where you have one of the terrorists involved in the London Bridge knife attack, car attack, and and he was literally on television for a year worshipping the ISIS flag and saying Allahu Akbar and saying that Great Britain is going to live under Sharia 10 Downing Street. And Katie Hopkins and I are just scratching our, our wooden conservative heads here together saying, how could we be so dumb? It's a question everybody's asking and no one's got an answer to. And I think one of the things that's really been reinforced in the last couple of days, uh, Sean, is this sense that we live in two countries here in the UK. There's a country called the rest of the UK, and then there's a country, a dark place called London, where the people live that voted, that wanted to remain in the EU, that are under the governance of the mayor, the mayor who was sworn in on a Quran, the mayor who was the consultant legal representative for a 9-11 bomber. You know, there's London, Londonistan, as I like to refer to it, and then there's the rest of the UK. And I think the problem is the rest of the UK doesn't feel it has a voice. I mean, apart from peers who did a great job of, of helping articulate the frustration that so many feel.
How is this going to impact the elections on Thursday? I think um, in terms of where we sit with the elections, Theresa May, the Conservative Party, will come out ahead because of of the two parties that you could vote for, the uh, Labour Party and the Conservatives. Conservatives do feel somewhat more reassuring. The Labour Party just... Uh, put its own Home Secretary, so the Shadow Home Secretary, on a kind of, uh, what would you say, sick leave because she's had so many catastrophic TV interviews they can't risk her being on TV anymore. The Labour Party then decided to place, replace the woman who would have been in charge of our defence at a time of acute terror in the UK with a woman who kicked uh, and pushed a blind man out the way in the House of Commons and swore at his guide dog. So I'm not sure the Labour Party are having the best campaign and I think Theresa will win almost by default but also but that's on the frustrating back of the i mean that Brexit is i, I, I watched her get a little tougher on terror over the weekend on sunday i think it was and she made comments that seem reassuring but her actions show otherwise don't they Yes, they do. You know, she stood outside that uh, door of number 10. She said, enough is enough. And I was hopeful for a moment, you know, a moment in time. I looked up at the TV and I thought, here she goes. We're going to round up the 3,000. We're going to hunt down the 650 jihadis returned. We're going to shut down Saudi-funded mosques. That's what I thought I was going to hear, but no. She's going to have a look at how she can get large corporates to have more control of their internet uh, service provision for jihadis. You know, that's not sufficient. So she will win by default and she will win off the back of Brexiteers who want Brexit. But I think there's a lot of distrust that she's ever going to do what she says she's going to do because there's been so many U-turns during her campaign. Yeah. All right, Katie Hopkins, I I wish we could have you back on and have more fun with you like we usually do. But uh, Uh, we we will. There will come a time. and I also want to find out how much trouble you get in every day. Every time I read about you in Great Britain, you're under controversy for something. I mean, do you ever live a day not being under fire, ever? Uh, I think we all just have to get broad shoulders, don't we? And I think, you know, you... <laughs> have you been reading about me? What do you think we're living through? <laughs> well, indeed, darling. I stand with you. We stand oh, together. Oh, darling, thank you. We need. All right, Gobby, one <laughs> my darling. God bless you. Uh, all right, Katie Hopkins, thank you. When we come back, wide open telephone. She cracks me up. Quick break. Right back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Coming up next, our fake news roundup. (laughs) This is CNN. Apparently, the president gets two scoops. You know, everyone around around the table gets one. I know word if there were sprinkles. At the dessert course, he gets two scoops of vanilla ice cream with his chocolate cream pie instead of the single scoop for everyone else. I would be remiss if I did not ask you both about the hand swat seen around the world. It wasn't even a complete sentence tweeted out by President Trump just after midnight. Despite the constant negative press, what's that word? Kofifi. Huh? Kofifi. Kofifi. Professionals could only guess at how to pronounce it. We're pretty sure the president meant to type negative press coverage, but the Kofefe tweet stayed up for almost six hours. Uh, a case of chivalry? Or a phobia, a theory about why President Trump grabbed the British Prime Minister's hand, now getting the thumbs down. CNN's Ginny Moss explains all this. Whether it be not shaking the German Chancellor's hand or clutching the hand of Britain's Prime Minister, President Trump's hands seem to end up in headlines. For instance, the BBC headline, Donald Trump is scared of stairs. 
Scarecase chortled one British paper back when President Trump took Prime Minister May's hand as they navigated a ramp at the White House. Bathmophobia, a fear of ramps and stairs. Really watching his step coming down the stairs of the Capitol, even while climbing just a couple of steps at the White House. Coming off his plane, eyes on his feet, clutching the railing. When asked if the president has fear of stairs, a White House spokesperson said, no offense, but this is an absurd question. The growing Russia investigation seems to be taking a toll on President Trump, according to sources who speak with him. And in a general way, they say being president is not agreeing with the president. He's gained weight, uh, according to these sources. He doesn't trust uh, people around him. He's withdrawing. Not a good picture. It's the one being painted by those sources. For the first time in four years, the Scripps National Spelling Bee has a solo champion. 12-year-old Ananya Vinay wins the championship trophy and a $40,000 first prize. And Ananya Vinay joins us now. Congratulations. So, Ananya, we have a challenge for you. We'd like you to spell a word. It has recently become popular. Not sure if you're familiar with it or if you know the definition. Do you know the word kofefe? Kofefe. Definition, please. Ah, the definition is um, a nonsense word made up by the 45th president of the United States in a late night tweet. <laughs> language of origin. Oh, language of origin. Gibberish. Gibberish. This is CNN. Yeah, CNN fake news. I. <laughs> <laughs> Linda's laughing. Where were you yesterday, by the way? Poor sunshine. I said, come on, let's move. And she looks at me with the daggers in her eyes like I had said the worst thing in the world to her. Um, are you there? Hello? Oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm just waiting till I can you, yell you at just you can't... for attacking my people. But go ahead, continue. I can't wait. Oh, no, 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 no. I was very nice yesterday. Oh, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. Uh, yeah, I was. No, yeah. no, no. When I'm not here, I know what goes on. Okay, because I all I when said the cats was, away, the mice come, on, come, come on, out come to on, play. Come on, come on. I, those are the words I said. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. That's what I said. Let's go, go, let's go, let's go. But that's how I always am. And you, you mean see, like how I talk to you when you're on your when you're twittering how you and texting? talk to me when I'm doing it. Yeah. All right. So I don't know if you saw <laughs> you saw my tweet. I think it was one of the best tweets I ever put out, in my humble opinion. And so CNN got caught staging this protest in London. Did you see the the images? It goes on for two and a half minutes. You got this producer, right? And he's like, okay, this is where you stand. And then he takes one of the one of the protest signs or the placards and he holds it up and this you hold it up at this level so we can actually see your face too and children in front and you can like see it's all being directed places everybody places take your places they go the children stop moving stop moving no fidgety no fidgety and then you know they're sorry right, ready fake news three two one action did you see it's the greatest thing i've ever seen i feel seen. so bad for the kid this poor kid is like being like you know dragged around it's like shouldn't he be in school or doing something productive with his life instead of staging <laughs> fake news i don't know i mean it's very funny if it's not so sad it's pathetic and it's pathetic and and i see poor morning joe called the president a schmuck today and that's the great coverage you get over at uh, msnbc the the, the well, liberal I guess, joe I guess network that's what mika gave him permission to say today so well i mean i don't think he liked my tweet when i suggested uh, i'm wondering every inquiring mind wants to know if they hold hands underneath the desk i mean i thought the saturday night live piece on them was i think it's more like shackles so i'll be listen i'll be honest i even tweeted out congratulations trying to be nice not have a not have a fight with anybody and you know but then he they started and this guy remember he sucked up to obama was doing the show at the obama white house all right 
no real conservative got near the Obama White House. So I call him Liberal Joe, and nobody really watches his show. And he calls me, com- he called me comrade, and I started laughing. I'm like, and he says I'm envious and jealous. Oh yeah, because so there's oh. so much to be envious and jealous about. I'm like Joe, no. I said, well, if anyone's jealous here, you're the guy that kept calling over, begging Fox News for years to hire him, and everybody seems to forget I ran him out of the the 9 p.m. time slot when he was up against us. I mean, he got like a zero point four every night, and we're getting two shares. And that's, you know, I don't know. Well, should I be fighting you, with these no, people? No, you shouldn't. You should pity him, because he's going to spend the rest of his life with Mika. Oh, stop. Be, oh, that's not nice. I can say that. I'm allowed. No. That's my first that, amendment on. right. No, 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 no. Listen, she does have the, they together have these, I guess, emotional meltdowns that together, which is bizarre to me. Anyway. So the, the couple the couple that cries together stays together? Are you done? couple that I... breaks down together stays together? All right, that's all. You know why he up. can't support President Trump, right? Why? Because he's all sucked out from sucking up to Obama for eight years. He's puckered out. He's done. He's got nothing left. Okay. 800-941-SEAN uh, if you want to be a part of the program. All right, let's go to Jeff. Is in Brooklyn, New York on the all-new AM710 WOR, the talk, of New York, the talk of New York and New Jersey and Long Island. What's happening, Big Jeff? How are hey, you, Sean, my how you doing? I haven't spoke to you since the election. Yeah, it's been I a while. What's going back. on? I've I've sat back and I've observed. Thank God for Donald Trump, and thank God for a fighter like you. Because oh, without the you. both of you, we wouldn't have any chance. I mean, we put in our Congress, we put in the Senate, we put in president. We've been fighting. Like I'm here in New York City, where it's like 90% the opposite, and I fought the good fight. I fight in my business. We fight at home. Our, my kids go. The professors tell them the opposite in school. And we keep going. But to see the Republicans never fight back, I mean, if, 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 if there's any fault, it's them. It's not Donald Trump. Donald Trump wants to push tax, wants to push Obamacare, wants to push who comes into our country, who comes across our border. They're not doing it. What's going to happen is I'll stay with Trump as far as we could go right to the end. And if he's no longer here four years from now, if it doesn't happen that way, I don't think anybody's back in that following Republicans. Because what's the difference if you have all three branches and you do nothing with it? Nothing. Listen, so I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I am so disappointed in so many of the Republicans. Now, I saw the Freedom Caucus is saying no August recess. And I hope right. Ryan and the leadership take their cues from, from oh, by the way, the, the, we've got the, I want to get back to this FBI director's uh, opening remarks. But I'm just telling you right now, this is really, really important to me. Um, I want the agenda accomplished. You know, remember the forgotten men and women that nobody in D.C. or Hollywood or, or, you know, the New York elite or the Hollywood San Francisco elite seem to give a rip about, you know, but the people in Wisconsin and Michigan and Ohio, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida that need work and need jobs and need an economy moving. And, you know, these people are suffering all of this nonsense that's going on that we see in the weakness of Republicans. Remember, I said there are four groups of people trying to hurt the president. You got the deep state. You've got Democrats. You got weak, pathetic Republicans, uh, obviously the destroy Trump media. And, and then you've got the never Trumpers that are, are begging for relevance once again in their lives. And and they so desperately want to say people like you and me were wrong and that we had it wrong. So I just want the country fixed. Honestly, I want the agenda fulfilled. I want these guys to do their freaking job. You know, I, I was talking to Linda just seconds ago about, you know, come on, come on, let's go. Let's go. I, I have felt, come on, come on, let's go, let's go my whole life. I remember one day I was framing a house, framing houses with uh, this contractor guy. And there was a foreman on the job. And, you know, we had spike 16-inch nails and they didn't have the nail guns like they do today. And, and he wanted that he wanted that 16-inch nail on three shots with a 16-ounce 
hammer that I had. And if I took four, he was pissed. He'd sit there counting like, you know, standing over me. I just shut up, I used to say to him. I'm going as fast as I can. I'd be moving. And that's how we worked. A certain sense of urgency. Congress, oh, we've got a month vacation. We got a Memorial Day week. Oh, I got this week off. We got this week off. I'm like, go to go work. Well, we need to meet where our constituents. No, your constituents want you to work. and if, or, or don't work and just get out of the way and let Trump do his job. That's frustrating. All right, 800-941-CHUMP. All right, we'll stay in New York with uh, Mike in Brooklyn, New York. How are you, Mike? What's going on, sir? My father grew up in Bed-Stuy. What's happening? You're a great American. I appreciate all you're doing fighting for Trump because uh, nobody else really is fighting as hard as you are. So, And, and I got to tell you, I disagree with you. You need to fight with Joe. Those are the guys you need to pick a fight with, and you need to make it as public as possible. But uh, not All right, well, I'm call. doing it on I, Twitter today, and I'm doing it on TV tonight. So I'm not, I don't back down from anybody. I, I, don't, I will fight anybody because I don't care what those people think of me. He does. He desperately wants to be loved by that media establishment. Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, the thing that really bothers me, Sean, is I play a game every day. I go on to Fox News and I go on to CNN.com. And I compare the, the headlines, and I compare what you know each news organization considers news, and it's a really interesting game to play. You really, I wish we weren't losing you here. We're losing you, uh, Mike. Let's uh, let me put you on hold. It's Mike, uh, Kristen in Oklahoma. We'll bring Mike back if we can. What's up, Kristen? How are you? Glad you called. I'm good. How are you, Sean? I'm good. What's going on? Well, I won't take up a lot of your time, but I just wanted to let you know that my husband and I love you so much. I didn't watch the news or anything, and my husband. Was was like because all the negativity and all that stuff and my husband was like you need to watch Hannity you need to listen to him because he tells the truth he's awesome so I started listening to you and I get so excited to hear you every day fighting for our country telling the truth standing up for Trump we love it we just love you in Oklahoma Uh, listen I I I really respect well I loved what I do but I respect where this microphone comes from and that's from people like you and i look i know we are not the average person in the mainstream media we do forge our own path here and we do our own background and investigative work and we make our own phone calls here and we're on a very different path uh it's it's perpendicular to the the average parallel path that every news media organization, you know, they regurgitate each other. And, you know, going against the grain like that, we've made a lot of enemies and and you make this show possible. And and we're getting, I think, a lot more work completed than they could ever dream of. And I'm I'm proud that you give me this mic every day and I'm going to keep working hard. Well, let me tell you something. It's horrible what they're doing to you to try to silence you. And it's wrong. We we have a voice, too. And you you tell it like it is on the air, and me and my husband scream at the radio when you know when you know people come on there and start bashing Trump in our country, and it's just horrible. But we want you to know that we love you here in Oklahoma, and we stand by you. And you're welcome. Oh, thank you. Anytime. Thank you. I and I've been to Oklahoma many, many times. Norman, Oklahoma City, and I love it. And I love the first thing you see when you get off of oil fields and and oil. <laughs> oil pumps running. I'm like, good. The lifeblood of our economy. People are making money in Oklahoma. Good for them. That's right. I even That's stopped right. by. I actually well, looked at the damage after the, the tornado. Was it more more Oklahoma or what was the name of the town? Yes, it was more Oklahoma. Oh, it was horrible. It was, it oh, was really broke my heart. And you could literally see. I mean, yeah, you could just see the damage. It was so devastating. And it was like you could see the line where the tornado went. And yes. it was so heartbreaking. I was really glad to hear that, that Toby Keith did a, a concert there for people. That was pretty cool. I think he's from more Alabama, yeah, he was uh, Oklahoma. Awesome. He was really awesome. Yeah. Everybody came together in Oklahoma and supported each other. And, you know, it was really nice to see. It really was.
But, you know, we just, we want, we want a safe country, you know. We just Absolutely. We don't want to, you know, be afraid of something happening with everything going on in London and everything like that. It's just really well, scary. Well, that's, you but know, it, people think, you. I just want the nation secure. I want the people in poverty, on food stamps, and out of the labor force, back to work, and, and live in the American dream. What I want is not complicated. I want America energy independent and safe and secure. Anyway, thank you so much, Kristen. All right, quick, Mike in Brooklyn. We're going to let you make your final point as we go to the break here. Uh, uh, sorry, we lost you, sir. Yeah, sorry about that. Don't worry about it. But uh, you know, I, I just want to understand when innuendos and hypotheticals become headlines for CNN. You know, this morning they had a headline: Clapper says smoking gun. This is not good. Then you open it up, you read the article, and it's completely uh, goes against what the headline says. I, I just I, it makes me want to vomit, and I, I torture myself, and I I watch CNN in the morning to see what Chris Cuomo and that other idiot has to say. Uh, Allison Camarado or whatever her name is. And I just, I don't understand how they have jobs, you know? Listen, I, I these networks I, are agenda-driven. Do you, do you, once you see media bias, you can't not see it. It's like once the veil is lifted, you can't put it back on. You know, you know the sun is shining. You know fake news now when you see it. That's why I thought it was so hysterical. I mean, the superfluous stories about ice cream and ramps and 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 the president having a hand phobia and all this nonsense and that add to that the orchestrating of protests. I mean, it's as clear as it's ever been. I um, and that's why I feel a real sense of responsibility to do their job because they're not doing it. We are not on a parallel path here on this program. We're on a very different trajectory than they are. And I believe in the end, like with Obama, we we're out on a limb. We're going to be proven right again. And uh, thank you for sticking with us. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, the media has gotten this this Comey opening statement so wrong, so god-awfully wrong, and we will give you the analysis I promise nobody else has. It's, it's so frustrating to me. But we'll do their job, as we always do. And news and information you can't get anywhere, radio and television. And we've got great analysts tonight. Uh, we'll check in with our friend Greg Jarrett and Sarah Carter and Jay Sekula. We're going to break all of this down step-by-step, step, 10 Eastern tonight. Hope you'll join us. See you back here Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now, you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. 
HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's healthlock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider.